Greetings in the name of Jesus. I come to you again with meditation on the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And so our meditation today is entitled, Jesus Building His Church. And our key verse is the one in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And then we are going to study John chapter 21. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 18, we read of Jesus asking the disciples what they thought of him. They give different opinions. Peter confessed his faith thus, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. To this Jesus replied, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Holy Spirit later led Paul to pen these immortal words, found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Therefore, it means Jesus laid the foundation of His church, His immortal and eternal body, by His incarnation to the Virgin Mary. He preached and performed miracles for about three and a half years. He gave His life on the cross to be the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world. He demonstrated He is the Son of God, incarnate, by rising from the dead. On top of that, he showed himself alive to the women who went to the tomb early one Sunday morning and the two disciples on their return to Emmaus. He showed himself alive to the eleven in the room where they were hiding in fear of the Jewish leaders, plus two from Emmaus, in two instances a week apart. In this first appearance, when Jesus saw their faith after eating with them, the broiled fish, and honeycomb, he said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. It was at this point, I believe, that the church was born. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 declares, In him ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. The key words here are, in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 1, In whom ye also trusted, after ye heard the word of truth. The gospel is the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. Secondly, in whom after ye believed or trusted, received the word of God. Then you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus did not breathe into his apostles the Holy Spirit. It was only after his ascension. Now, something different. On the day of Pentecost, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 believed and were baptized, it was the empowering of the church by the Holy Spirit. Because it says in Acts 1.8, Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be my witnesses. There's different. Receiving the Holy Ghost to be sealed as a Christian, a believer, and secondly, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered. It was only the second visit of Jesus to the disciples that Thomas was present. That was eight days difference. When Thomas saw Jesus alive in person, he exclaimed, The Lord, my Lord and my God. This is a personal action, 
every believer must make and declare as prescribed in Romans 10.8-13. This is so important that I'm going to read these verses. Romans 10 verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In verse 10. For with the heart men believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So whether Jew or Gentile, the principle is the same. It's not different. To be saved is to believe in in the heart that Jesus died and rose again, and then to confess with their mouth that this Jesus is our Lord. Now we're going to go to John chapter 21. This is the first day for the 32 days of discipleship that Jesus will be with them. And now I'm reading from John 21 verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. Sea of Tiberias, where will you find that? In the map, there in Palestine. The Sea of Tiberias is a port in the Sea of Galilee. This is the southwestern port of the Sea of Galilee. The terrain is uphill and seems to be barren. I mean, there seems to have no forest trees at the top of the mountain. I look at the picture of uh, Tiberias, and it was barren, just grass and some empty spot, but no forest at the top. And this is mentioned only, Tiberias is mentioned only in the Gospel of John, twice in chapter 6, verse 1 and 23, and in the feeding of the 5,000. After the feeding of the 5,000, he left the multitude to go to the mountain to pray. In John chapter 6, verses 1 and 15. Tiberius has a, par, a port to an active commercial community. This may be the reason Peter and companions feast there because they can easily sell their cats. Between Tiberius and the Mediterranean Sea is the village of Nazareth, the place of Jesus. Then chapter 21 of John, verse 2. There were together... Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Now comment here. The two other disciples may be Cleophas and his companion that walked home towards Emmaus and Jesus joined them as a guest. Why were there disciples in Tiberias? In Mark 16, verse 7, and in Matthew 28, 7, it records that an angel told the women at the sepulcher to tell the apostles that Jesus would meet them in the mountain at Galilee. So now in John 21, verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, to these other companions, I go fishing. They say to him, we also go with thee. They went forth 
and entered a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Now, we see here, while waiting for Jesus to appear, as directed by the angel telling the women, the three the fishermen invited four others to join them that evening to go fishing. It is wonderful notice that the apostles of Jesus were hardworking. They applied their skills while waiting for Jesus. For our spiritual application would be that while we Christians today await the return of the Lord, should we be busy fishing for souls for Jesus? They also planned for what to offer Jesus when he would appear. As fishermen, they remembered that to prove that Jesus was not a ghost when he first appeared, he asked them to give him something to eat. And at that instance, they offered him broiled fish and honeycomb, found in Luke chapter 24, verse 41 and 42. And to their dismay, while there, daylight was coming and they had not caught anything. What a failure maybe they felt, a wasted evening. Now in verse 4 of John 21, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. They did not recognize him. Now as the angels had instructed, Jesus appeared to them. Jesus had promised he would meet them, telling the angels to tell the women, to tell the apostles. But why did the disciples not recognize Jesus? This is what I think. It might be that it was still dark in the morning. The sun may not have come out yet. It may be cloudy. This may be why they did not recognize Jesus. Secondly, another reason may be that the fishermen were tired and sleepy from night fishing and discouraged and no catch. Most may have been asleep except one who was attending to the sail to bring the boat to shore. In the past two appearances of Jesus, it was dark in the room with only dim lights. So, they did not see the clothing of Jesus, and maybe Jesus coming into the room, sat with them around, talking with them, breaking of bread and eating the broiled fish and also the honeycomb. Now in verses 5 and 6 of John 21, Then Jesus, there on the shore, cried out, Children, have you any meat? They answered him. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, that ye shall find, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. What do we see here? Jesus called them children, a very affectionate call, and addressing them as a superior, like a father addressing the children. Secondly, Jesus knew their plight, but just wanted to draw out a confession. In the same token as in Revelation 3.20, when Jesus knocks on the hearts of sinners, only those who open the door in repentance and confession, then Jesus will come in. What would be running through your thoughts if you were one of those fishing all night, catching no fish, and an identified person on the shore tells you to throw the net on the right side of the ship? What if you already had applied for work in many places as one person, 
like a person I know very intimately, named Larry Sabellari. He told me that when he was laid off from Monworth, he applied, he sent application to 50 different companies and more than one possibly responded. If I remember, two or three that gave a response. They had different offers and conditions. With that, he chose the one with the best offer. What if it was you? Maybe not the work, but for a life partner. So far, no positive leads yet. What if you had prayed a lot and a still small boy leads you to pray for one particular person? Would you recognize who spoke to you? If not, would you follow the direction of that voice? It is surprising that all Jesus was with them for about three and a half years, and having heard him speak, they did not recognize him, and they did not recognize his voice. Maybe you should say that his voice may have changed after his resurrection from the dead. It may have, but Jesus was with them in intimate occasions in the room, even having eaten with them. What about us? Do we recognize the voice of Jesus when he speaks to us? Do we give him the chance to speak to us through the, the scriptures or his servants, the preachers? Or are we so focused on ourselves, our ideas, our plans, our obsession, that we do not really care about him and his kingdom? In the present crisis that we are in, it is very easy to be anxious or worried about what the future holds. Let me remind you of a portion of the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 6, 25-34. Verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better, better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into your stature? Verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Verse 29. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, or for the world. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye need of all these things. And 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In our last verse 34, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Since we become children of God, we should trust in the Lord by standing on His word or promises. Then we will be sensitive to His still small voice. Otherwise, we will be filled with anxiety or worry because many things are beyond our comprehension or control. Although they did not recognize 
the man there asked Jesus on the shore. They did as instructed, wondering why the men on the shore knew where the fish were while they were on the ship themselves, but did not see the school of fish below, especially as they were now nearing the shoreline. Having cast the net, they were surprised at the multitude of fish in the net. Now verse 7 of John 21. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fishers caught up unto him, for he was naked and did not cast himself into the sea. The disciple whom Jesus loved is the writer of this gospel, John the Beloved. He was with Andrew when John the Baptist proclaimed Jesus as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So with John, the Apostle John and Andrew were the first of the apostles to hear the declaration that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Then, he was, John was also one of the three on the Mount of Transfiguration. Next, John was also one of the three whom Jesus invited to join him as he separated himself from the eight to pray, to pray for three hours before his arrest. This is at the garden. He was the only one who followed Jesus closely as he was tried before the high priest and before Pilate. John was given the sacred title, not by himself, but by the Holy Spirit, as he was led to write this gospel. It was John who finally recognized the Lord. The cast of the multitude of his maybe woke him up. This brought back to the mind when Jesus called the four original to become fishers of men, found in Matthew 4 verse 19 and Mark 1 17. When Peter heard this, he put on his shirt because he was just wearing a swimming trunks and dove into the water to swim towards the shore to meet Jesus. He left the seven to bring in the fish into the net by drawing the ropes towards the ship. Now in verse 8 of John 21, And the other disciples came in in, the little, in a little ship. These were others, aside from the apostles and two disciples that were just nearby. For they were not far from land, for at, but, it was, it, but as it were 200 cubits dragging the net with the fishes. The six apostles and two other disciples were about 300 feet from the shore, dragging the net. They were on the ship and pulling, dragging that net towards the shore, but not actually into the shore. And so verse 9 of John 21, And as soon as they were come to land or shore, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and even bread. Upon arriving, I'm the comments, upon arriving the shore, they saw Jesus with coals, burning with fish thereon, and with bread. Jesus played the host to this reunion over eight days and after his resurrection. This is also how he wants to meet with us. At the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus was the host. At Emmaus, in the house of the two disciples, Jesus played the host. When Jesus meets with us, as we commune around the word, he is the host. Hallelujah. And so verses 10 and 11 of John 21. Jesus said to them, Bring of the fish which ye have caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty-three. 
and for all there were so many, yet not, yet was not the net broken. One commentator said, See, Peter had that strength. He could pull the net loaded with great fishes, not small fishes, great fishes, 153. Wow. And the lesson here is, whatever we win, we should not bring the converts to ourselves, but bring them to Jesus. And thank God that given us the catch. Let Jesus bless the catch. And so verses 12 to 14 of John 21. Jesus said to them, Come and dine. Food was ready. And none of the disciples asked him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then comes and he takes the bread and gave them and fish likewise. This was this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was risen from the dead. That's a reading in verses 12 to 14. Come and dine. Christians look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. This is the church before the millennium. While the Christians are dining with Christ, the last portion of the tribulation on earth continues. After the marriage supper, the entire church and angels will come to earth to establish the kingdom of Christ on earth for a thousand years. Every believer will reign with Christ in assigned places with its respective responsibility in perfect peace and harmony until the last living Jew is saved in Romans 6, 11 verse 26 and all Israel will be saved. Finally, after 1,000 years, the last battle, the battle of Gog and Magog, ending with the church and all believing Jesus are taken up to glory, while the earth will melt with fervent heat. I am going to read Second Peter three ten to thirteen. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be? In holy conversation and godliness. Verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the earth shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for the new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And now come to John 21, verses 15 to 17. And I read. So when they had dined, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than this? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said to him again the second time, Simon, of, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said to him, Unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. After having their breakfast, Jesus then singles out Peter and addresses him, 
addresses him by his original name, Simon, son of Jonas. The questions Jesus asked was not because he did not know, but to sear up the mind of Peter. The first question had these words, Do you love me more than this? This was to challenge his claim, written in Matthew chapter 26, verse 33, when Peter said to Jesus, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Almost like independent, independent. everybody will leave you and desert you, but I will not. They will deny you, but I will not. Peter was a fisherman, but Jesus called him to be a fisher of men, a soul winner. Was Peter but sliding into his former business? Some preachers think so, because so many have given up serving Christ to serving self, all the world, wealth, power, prestige, etc. The phrase, the phrase more than this was never repeated in the next two questions on whether Peter loved the Lord. Some of us think that Jesus asked whether Peter loved him three times was because Peter denied Jesus Christ also three times. Jesus so loved us so that he left heaven, became the Lamb of God to save humanity, and continues to intercede for us while seated on the throne in heaven. Hebrews 7.25 records, Wherefore he, that's Jesus, is able also to save them to the uttermost that comes unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. That's how much Jesus loved us. Not only did he die for our sins, to justify us from the guilt of sin, but to save us to the uttermost until the end of our life here on earth, unto our perfections. Hence, to the work of the Holy Spirit, he is perfecting our earthly life. Now to the conclusion. Jesus officially started the church in his first two post-resurrection appearances to the apostles. Secondly, Jesus followed them up to Tiberias to start the final 32 or less days in discipleship training before his ascension. Jesus, the only foundation of the church and the only master builder. And God had set some of his church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12:28. Why is this forgiven? Again, Jesus is the only foundation of the church. Secondly, he is the only master builder. Now to the church, he gives to all of us believers certain gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongue, as recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. Then again, in Ephesians 4, to 16, it writes, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and cared about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. 
from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to effect or working of the measure of every part, make it increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Yes, Jesus is the only foundation. Jesus is the master builder. But all of us have to cooperate in edifying one another in love, speaking the truth in love, to grow up in Him in all things, which is the head, bring attention to God, not drawing attention to us. Thank God for the gifts He gives to us, but it is not to draw attention to ourselves. Only Jesus can save. Only He can give gifts and empower to the Holy Spirit. Let us all actively do our part in the building of our local church with a prayer and will be the light of God to our families, co-workers, and neighbors. Yes, we have to support the church in prayer and also our giving. Remember, the tithes belong to God, and that's the way that God provides for the churches. We thank God for all of you who have been faithful in giving towards the church. And we have been able to go on almost two years now because of the wonderful, faithful people in the church who are praying and giving and serving together. May the Lord bless you, be inspired as we come that Jesus is building us together. Amen.